Sign up for Cover 5, a free-to-play sports game that will change the way you view the tournament. Join Cover 5 Madness for free at Cover5.com and the Cover 5 app. The high score each day will win $1,000 through Sunday, March 20th games. Use promo code CHICAGO. It's tip-off time. The line. Welcome to ESPN Chicago's Fast Break with Jay Hood and Chris Black. Throws it to win it! Listen on your phone through the ESPN Chicago app, on FM at 100.3 HD2, and on AM at ESPN 1000. Watch the show on Twitch.tv or the Twitch app. Follow ESPN 1000 Chicago. Now here are your hosts, Jay Hood and Chris Black. Welcome in to Fast Break on ESPN 1000, the ESPN Chicago app. I'm Chris Black along with Jonathan Hood. We're talking Bulls and NBA basketball with you for the next two hours right here on ESPN 1000 at 3 o'clock. We have White Sox baseball as we're your home for White Sox baseball. Spring training in full swing down in uh, Arizona. Uh, uh, when we look at this uh, situation with the Chicago Bulls, Jonathan, and what we saw last night, the Suns beat the Bulls 129-102, to and they come off... Three straight lose, uh, losing efforts this week against the Jazz on Wednesday, against the Kings on Monday. Uh, all games that I don't think the Bulls had a chance to win. And that's something that I think is telling as we look at this team. The, the weekly review of what we've seen from the Bulls. It was bad last night, but this has been a bad week and turning into a bad month as well for the Chicago Bulls. There's no question about that. It makes you wonder, are the Bulls wearing down? Uh, looking at this team... And watching the game last night, Chris, it, you knew that the Bulls would have a hard time against a terrific Suns team, and, and here's why. Watching the game yesterday with the Suns, here's what you saw. You saw a smooth, uh, smooth offensive play by the Suns. Passing was crisp. Devin Booker was aggressively looking to score, right? That scoring mentality, you can almost say a mama mentality that you get from Devin Booker. And then the thing that hurt the Bulls a lot, not just the outside shooting from the Suns, but also Aiton and McGee, the one-two punch there. Uh, you have Aiton and McGee, 32 points, along with 19 rebounds against the Bulls. The Suns had 52 points in the paint. And so that was it with the game, right? So now you're hurt from the outside because of Booker. You're hurt on the inside from McGee and Aiton with 32 and 19 combined. And so that's it for the Bulls. And so it just shows you. The difference between where the Bulls are and some of the upper echelon teams in the NBA. Absolutely. You know, Devin Booker, so smooth last night. He's so efficient with the basketball. The thing that I always marvel at in his game for such a young age, he always has his feet planted underneath him. And he's ready to shoot from any position, even when he's driving with the basketball. And you saw multiple times, it's not just his ability to get his own shot. He creates for others in simple situations where he's just willing to pass the basketball you mentioned Aiton. Aiton was good uh mcgee was good uh you saw alfred payton play uh or not uh you saw yeah, uh alfred payton yeah. play well in moments last mm-hmm. night too finding mcgee so so it was a situation for the suns where it was almost like more of the same that we've seen with the bulls and in the shocking thing that that i continue to point to is the bulls are now oh and 15 against top three teams in the Eastern and Western conferences. Top three teams. So you're talking about the Suns, the Warriors, the Grizzlies in the West. In the East, you're talking about the Heat, the Bucks, the 76ers. The Bulls are 0-15. And And the thing that I would continue to point out and what we saw last night specifically, the Bulls were down 30 at one point. Yes, they were. They were down 30. So they're getting blown out by these top three teams 
which if you're a Bulls fan, if you want to join the conversation at 312-332-3776, that's a lot of data. 0-15 against the top three in each conference at this point in the season as we're sitting here on March 19th, that's a lot of data to start to kind of judge this team based on and to suggest that they are not a title contender and they're far from it because they continue to get blown out in these situations. You can say there's an excuse here, Alonzo there, a Caruso will be back here. All You could give me all the different excuses if you're losing games by four. If you're, if you're pushing them to overtime, you just don't have enough at the end. This team's getting blown out in the first quarter against Miami. They're getting blown out in the second quarter last night against the Suns, early third quarter as well. They just don't have enough. And it, it, it's interesting to kind of put this all into perspective on the full season because it's been a fun bowl season. It really has. It's been enjoyable to watch games each and every night that matter. It's just they're not good enough, and they're not going to be good enough when we get to the playoffs either. Well, look at it. It's all about, it's, to me, it's about perspective. And what it's about is when you saw this roster, I thought that the Bulls would be able to win a playoff series, meaning that when you get in the second round, you try your luck. That was my thought in October when we saw the roster coming against like, boy, you know what? This team has enough scoring around Zach Levine to be able to at least get out of the first round. I still believe that, too, because I can't go back on my opinion. Yes, what we're seeing here is what DeMar DeRozan said after the game. He says, it's just snowballing downhill. That was his quote after the game as the uh, Bulls lost to the Suns. Three straight losses, losing eight of ten, fifth place in the East. I want to cut. We talked about the macro. Let's talk about the micro with mm-hmm. this Bulls team, Chris. Because let's start with Demar Derozan. Demar Derozan is a solid piece. He's an MVP candidate, but yet he's not a superstar. We have to look at what Derozan was before he came to the Bulls. When he's with us, with the Spurs or with the Raptors, he was always a piece to the puzzle. Always a piece, a solid veteran. Who wouldn't want to have a solid veteran like Derozan on the team? I also want to point out that he's the oldest player on the Bulls roster at age 32. I know that he's turning the clock back like he's like in his mid-20s, the way he, sh- he shot the uh, basketball, but he is the oldest guy on the roster. I'm not making any excuses for DeMar DeRozan. And by the way, the media and the fans shouldn't either. Because there's this question now, like, is DeRozan fading? You know, is he tired? All this stuff. No. De- DeMar DeRozan's always been a solid player. All I know is that I have his facts. Chris, 41% shooting, uh, 50% of his shots only twice in the past 10 games, over 50% only twice in the past 10 games. And through the first three quarters, what was he? Four for 11. Ended up six for 14 with 19 points yesterday. So it's not him being tired. It's just the fact is, is that the Bulls are standing around waiting for DeRozan to have that magic. And again, he's 32 and I won't give the old, well, it's the dog days of the NBA. That's BS, right? When you're fighting, you got to fight every night for placement in the Eastern Conference. And the Bulls have shown you time and time again that they, there's a layer to this, right? They're in the middle of the pack of the East. They're not in the upper echelon. And DeRozan's a big part of that. For sure. Absolutely. And, and I think last night specifically, you're looking at Phoenix, the third best defensive team in the NBA. Uh, as far as uh, defensive efficiency, they're only behind Boston and Golden State. You saw multiple times. You you could lay out that DeRozan had his 19 points, but in the first half, multiple defenders being shown at DeMar, defenses know what he wants. Mm-hmm. He wants that 15 to 10-foot jump shot off the corner, right off the elbow, right there. I'll extend it. He, yep. he finds that spot. Mm-hmm. Even when guarded, he can get that shot off. We've seen it multiple times. But it also leads 
to others standing around doing nothing. Mm-hmm. And and what we saw, especially in the second quarter, Alex Caruso was open in the corner on two separate plays. It wasn't necessarily DeMar DeRozan finding him. It was Vooch with the swing pass finding Caruso in the corner, and he missed the three-point shots. Now, the, the, the positive side of Caruso being back is your defense will improve some. But also, his offensive game isn't to the point where he's going to be a, a third piece to lead with DeMar and Zach. And, and I think you, know, you make a great point pointing out to DeMar DeRozan and his play as of late. In, in the month of uh, February, he carried the team. He was averaging 34 points per game in the month of February. In March, 25. Yeah, that's a major difference, and I think that's the difference in why this team has struggled so much. They've lost eight of ten, so they lose three games this week. But eight of ten in the larger scheme, they've had their three best players for that entire stretch. I just, I just want to make sure. Stretch. I just want to underline the point that DeRozan not is that some go to guy. No, and you, and you're right. He's uh, not. Right. What he did in February was incredible. Yes, and and again, eight straight games with at least 35 points and 50 percent shooting was great. I remember that. I was old enough to remember seeing that from DeRozan, right? But but understand that the way this team wins is that has to come from Zach Levine, which I will now turn to Zach Levine. Okay, Zach Levine, I, mm. I try, make me understand this. Yeah. So 12 points yesterday on one of seven shooting. The positive in that is that he went to the foul line 12 times. I like that, right? He went to the foul line. Levine was a facilitator early and then faded. For whatever reason, 12 and 9 just won't get the job done. If now, Again, two things at play here. If he's hurt, Chris, if he's hurt and can play with that knee, that's fine. If he's injured, then he should not be out there. I, I mean, listen, we saw him go to the basket with a dunk in the game yesterday, right? He went right to the basket. Right. But 12-9 and nine is not going to beat most teams from him in the NBA. This is why everyone points at DeRozan is like, oh, MVP candidate. Oh, no question, he's an MVP candidate. But understand who DeRozan was before he came here and that he's a, guy, a professional scorer that can be able to be part, a really strong part of any solid team, as we've seen this with the Raptors and the Spurs. But Zach Levine's effort... And I can't say, well, the knee's an excuse because the knee's been a storyline for a while now. Mm-hmm. 12 and 9 won't get it done. One for seven from the field won't get it done. He attempted one three pointer. As a matter of fact, let me just tell you this. If you didn't see the game, that's why Chris and I watched. The starters had one three pointer. They scored one three pointer. So you're not going to do that against most teams, including the Suns. Right. And, and you look at uh, Zach's game. Man, Devin Booker is a good defender. Malik Bridges maybe one of the best perimeter defenders in the entire league. So no matter who he was going up against, the Suns have great defensive players on the perimeter. I'd say this. You you also have to question this whole situation. The Bulls medical staff continue to point that there is no structural damage with his his knee. Mm -mm. So as you go forward and and you you hope for the playoffs and you hope for uh, Zach to be at his best in the playoffs – like, how do you manage the fact that he continues to say he has issues, but then they continue to say there's no medical, there's no structural damage, and and you have to balance the two. Plus, he's going to be a free agent this summer. Chris, let me be the first to sit, tell you here on first break, on, on fast break. Let me just tell you that if Levine and DeRozan are not going to be catalysts late in games, then the Bulls will get bounced in the first round. 
Seriously, like it, it's one thing to look at Levine and say, oh, yeah, you know, with the time running down, that's a guy that you can give him the ball. If you need a three, he'll give it for you. I agree with that if he's healthy. And the same thing with DeRozan. DeRozan can make that clutch two that you need. They can do that. It's a good one-two punch. But if Levine is less than, then the Bulls won't get it done. Say, for instance, the matchup is against the Celtics. And I know that Bill Simmons is, you know, quaking in his boots. Like, I don't want to play the Bulls because you got a couple of guys, including Vucevic, that can knock down jumpers. But if Levine's going to give you that effort, right. then, then it's, it's not going to work. I mean, time is running out here in the regular season where you need to have guys either rested, ready for the playoffs, or having momentum going into the playoffs by playing. You, like, Donovan's got a lot of choices here. You've got you to decide what you want, Right. I'd rather take on Boston and Philly in a, a playoff scenario. However, if you ha- don't have Levine well enough to be able right. to knock down jumpers, if he can't give you 20 or more points, it, it's over for the Bulls. Bulls fans, are you concerned? You can call us at 312-332-3776. And also, Billy Donovan, he addressed DeMar DeRozan. Is he tired at this point of the season? We hear from the coach of the Bulls next. Welcome back to Jay Hood and Chris Black, the hosts of ESPN Chicago's Fast Break. Watch the show on Twitch.tv or the Twitch app. Follow ESPN 1000 Chicago. Now, Fast Break flies on. On Chicago's Chicago's home for sports, ESPN 1000. Chris Black, Jonathan Hood. It's Fast Break. Bulls, an NBA conversation with you here on ESPN 1000. We'll hear from Billy Donovan in just a moment. But first, Brad in Tinley Park wants to talk Bulls with us at 312-332-3776. Uh, Brad, let go. Brad wanted to talk about Zach Levine. Brad yeah. wanted to talk about the, the idea that Zach has not played to his full potential as of late for the Bulls, and that's exactly what they need, is they need a second score. You mentioned in the last uh, 10 minutes that DeMar DeRozan is not a superstar. Well, you can't go to battle without a superstar if you only have one star. You need at least two or three guys to be stars, so at least you could have something when you go up against teams like the 76ers with multiple superstars, the Bucks with a superstar, maybe the best player in the league, and others. And, and we know that the Nets are, are lurking in the Eastern Conference. So Zach really needs to step things up in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, I, you know, I, I would disagree with that Zach has let down here because, I mean, just one simple click on a game log, you could see the type of numbers he put up in a losing effort for sure because the Bulls have only won one game in the month of March, at least since March 3rd. They've only won one game. Yeah, they've only won one game, and that was against Detroit. Losses against Phoenix, Utah, Sacramento, which is inexplicable. I can't believe they did that. Against Philadelphia, Milwaukee, and Atlanta. So they won one game this month. Uh, great time to launch uh, fast break. And, and we got no, that, no wins to talk about. Nonetheless, I, I look at this whole thing with, uh, with Zach. I push back on he's got to do better. I'm just talking about yesterday's game where he has 12 and 9. There's no 12 and 9 games. It's very rare that you'd see that, right? Last time he scored 12 points besides the All-Star game is on uh, February 11th against Minnesota in a, in a winning effort where he went 12 and 8 in that game or 12 and 6 in that game. So, Chris, I, I, like, I just thought that yesterday's game was like, okay, the best thing he did, I love that he went to the foul line, I love that he went to the basket, but nobody else picked up the slack offensively. See, it's, it's really in the regular season not about one or two guys. You know, it, uh, to me, here's how I look at it. You tell me where I'm wrong with this, okay? Mm-hmm. Tell me where I'm wrong with this. If Io, Kobe, 
Levine, Caruso, or Vucevic, if they're not knocking down threes, the Bulls are going to have a hard time beating anybody. Hands down. I mean, and, and no I, doubt. I mean, I'm, I'm saying like Io. I'm am I am I relying on Io and Kobe? Yeah, I am. I am because all hands on deck. There is no Lonzo Ball, so that's the only scoring that you're missing. You're not getting that from Patrick Williams. But it, that's got to be on Levine. It's got to be on Vucevic. Caruso can knock down a couple of threes, as we saw in the game against Phoenix yesterday. But if you're not knocking down threes, because if you're, clearly you're not going to guard. Right, you're not right. going to guard. Right. So if you're not outscoring teams, then I don't know how else the Bulls can win. And it, it, it's a good point because look at the the margin is, is so thin on whether or not they're going to be successful in the offense. Even though they're, I think, seventh right now in offensive efficiency, it, it's all about getting to the free throw line. They only attempt twenty nine three point uh, shots a game. That's last in the league. They're the worst team when it comes to getting shots up. Now, you'd say, well, isn't it more important to make the shots? Yeah, absolutely. But the best teams in the league are, are taking at least 42 three-point shots a game. Which, So to your point, if the others are hitting their shots, it works. You can win those games. But if Io, Caruso, uh, Zach, Kobe are not hitting those three-point shots, that means you have to win the free throw battle. You have to win the rebounding rate. You have to not turn the basketball over. Like, it makes things so much harder on yourself on the offensive side of things. And then it allows the defense to know, all right, this team's not going to hurt us from three. We can sag an extra step towards the lane on the corner three shooter. Why? Because DeMar's going to be right off the elbow. So if DeMar's going off the elbow and you as a defender are taking an extra step towards the paint, it clogs things up. But if you know that Kobe or Io or Caruso is going to hit the three in the corner, you then don't take that extra step to sag in. Now DeMar has more room to operate, and the offense starts to work. They just don't shoot enough threes, and, and it hurts the offense. Even though they are somewhat efficient, they, they can't compete with other teams who, who know that this is what they're going to do. And when you get into a playoff series, it, it's going to be focused on eliminating that elbow jumper from DeMar DeRozan because that's basically all they cook. So I do like Billy Donovan when he speaks because it's not necessarily excuses, but they're reasons. So I know that we talked earlier about Billy about uh, Billy Donovan, the head coach, and talking about DeMar DeRozan. I'd love to hear what Billy had to say because when I hear him, like, they're not excuses. We hear that in the league, right? But yeah. he gives you reasons why things don't occur. Here's Billy Donovan last night on DeMar DeRozan. Is he tired at this point in the season? You know, I check with him, Joe, every, you know, pretty much whenever we're together as a team of how he's doing physically because I've looked down probably as you have and you look at the number of minutes he's played, and it's really been pretty high. Um, but he's he's takes I'm care. Like more than yeah, um, you know what? He's the, the one thing about Demar, at least from from my perspective, is is he's physically and mentally a tough guy. He really is, and I think he's trying to help our team get that. You know, because listen, he's had setbacks and things, and you you got to kind of. You know, I've always said this. It's you know, you, you get scarred, you get beaten up, and you got to go through it. And it's about how you respond. But I know the one way is if if you respond where, you know, you're not fighting as hard or have like this internal fortitude and belief of like, okay, this stuff I can know I'm going to be able to do to get into the game. 
I think it, it really becomes hard. We've got to we've got to develop that. That was Billy Donovan. He also talked about the Suns trapping Demar Derozan, trapping Zach Levine, because you know that those are the two guys that can get the offense going. Here's Billy Donovan last night addressing that what the Suns did on defense. Yeah, but you know what? Those guys are passing it, so I don't mind that. You know, as long as the ball's moving and we're finding open shots, like I thought, we created some 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 pretty good looks. Um, and I certainly, and Demar's a, a really really smart player and an unselfish player, so he's not going to. If they're going to send two at him, we're going to have to live with that. You know, it's it's it's, it's someone's going to do. We, we were trying to, you know, trap Booker too, and to his credit, he got the ball to his hands. Um, that's what ends up happening a lot of times. So when they're sending some people at him, we got to find the open man. And the ball's got to kind of move, and we got to try to generate the best look. And you know, I think Demar's willingness to pass is, is important. He's not he's not going up against you know double teams and trying to play through them or around them or over them. He's getting off it when he when he sees two, and that's the right play to make. Billy Donovan last night in Phoenix after the Bulls lose to the Suns 129 to 102. There you go, Jonathan. He addresses that, but also DeMar DeRozan at this point in the season, he seems as if he's starting to wear down. Yeah, he says that physically and mentally that he thinks he's fine. And I would agree with that. I, I would say that DeRoz- I don't believe that he's wearing down. I just don't think he's as effective as he once was because we have to understand who he was. Just because he was Superman with that eight straight games, at least 35 points and 50% shooting, Chris, doesn't necessarily mean that that's what he was going to be. See, he's never been that go-to guy. He, he was carrying the load when the Bulls needed it. We have to know what the scenario was. When you had so many players out, including Levine with COVID or Patrick Williams, Lonzo Ball. So he had to carry the mail, and he was able to have a renaissance, which is great, right? But understand who he is. He's not someone that's going to be doing this every night. And this is why the Bulls have to be able to do this as a team. Simply put, if DeRozan and Levine are your one-two punch, those two have to bring it every night. And if not, if you want to include Vucevic in that, I can do that as well because I know he can give you a double-double of ass. Now, because it's the NBA and we're getting closer to the end of the regular season the playoffs, with the rotations getting tighter, who else can you depend on to be able to knock down shots? Is it Io? Is it Kobe White? Who else can be able to do that for you? I thought Kobe had a good game last night. He had 14 points in 25 minutes. He went 5 of 11 from the field. He went 2 of 6 from 3, which you would like him to at least hit one more of those attempts. But again, back to my whole theory, they don't shoot enough threes. They only took 27 in the entire game. So Kobe getting six up is, is more than okay with me. Well, DeRozan's I, not going to give you t- he's not gonna give you 10 looks. He'll give you maybe one or two. Yeah, yeah. DeRozan will give you one or two. Yeah. I, I think Kobe, in the game that he had last night, and what you saw him bring to the table in the second quarter when the game was so close, I like that. The, pro- the problem is it seemed as if when Phoenix had their second unit out there, mm-hmm. they started to expand that lead where as the bulls continue to roll out different rotations when damar and zach weren't out there together it's like that's when things started to not go well for the bulls offensively and then on the defensive side you know phoenix just passes the ball really well yes they do. um and and they find the open guy uh and they they know how to kind of wear you down possession after possession based on just good efficient smart basketball you know i don't like so watching the Suns yesterday, and we've been watching them all season long, right? I mean, they're the kings of the West right now. And watching those driving kick opportunities, those driving kick looks, and you got four bulls looking up at the basket, looking like they're trying to fly a kite. 
it's 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 uh, it's amazing. You can catch, by the way, some yeah. of those screenshots at at Chris Black on Twitter or a little Stephen No action. Look look for those little screenshots because Chris will put that in all week where you see like the balls going up and the, it's not like the Bulls are running over to try to guard. They just they're just waiting for the rebound like it's the All Star game, right? You you can't do that, Chris. You have to be able to at least get over. And to be able to put a hand up, and I, I got, I saw a lot of that yesterday. Of here's a driving kick, and there's an open look for Craig. There's an open look for Bridges. You know, there's an open look for for um, Holiday. There's an open look for Booker. And, and like, so you, you're just not going to get over and recover, right? You're just going to have, you're going to have four bulls <laughs> within the paint, right? Just and then, hanging out, and then the driving kick, yeah. and then and the bulls are just looking up, like just looking up. Oh, it's a beautiful day. It's a wonderful Splash. day. Oh my God! Splash! Like, and and it's the NBA mentality, right? Like, that's all right. We'll get him back to the other on the other end. No, you won't. Well, and and see that that's no, you won't. That's what kills this team, yeah. right? Like, because isn't the defensive side of it how you have to lead your your um your mentality, your your identity? Like that has to be fixed for you to win going forward. The play against Utah on Wednesday night oh that God. almost killed me. Where Zach out of a uh, a side out-of-bounds play, is just standing in the paint. His player, Alexander Walker, is in the far corner. The ball is inbounded, skipped to the far corner, and Zach is just standing in the paint. Now, Stacey King on TV blamed Caruso for arguing with the ref. That wasn't the case. Mm-hmm. Caruso was with his man. Yeah. the entire. He was with uh, Donovan the entire time. Donovan Mitchell. Yep. So it that, that kills me. Is that that's the type of stuff where people look at the uh, highlight dunks and they say Zach's a star, but then there's these defensive lapses that continue to happen, and this is when I, you know, we were told that this was all going to be fixed because now they're winning games, right? Right. So like it, the stuff that didn't matter when the Bulls sucked with Boylan, oh, it's okay with Zach because when they want to win, he'll he'll be better. You're on the road against Utah, a good team, and you're just standing in the paint while an open three is flying up. You're, you nailed it. There are bulls just standing in the paint while yeah, threes watching. are raining down on them. Sorry, we get them back. That's all right. That's good. Uh, let them get that shot. Like it's you not just, how it works. You, just, you can't do that in the league. And and so and just a little side note for Alex Caruso. Hey man, you're not getting calls. Yeah. Sorry. sorry I mean, sorry. I mean, a lot of complaint. I understand that someone's <laughs> got to complain, but hey, Alex. I mean. Just and and I give him his flowers too because one on one against Booker he was very solid. You see those couple of uh, possessions where it's yeah. Booker one on one. You're gonna take on Caruso. Good luck, right on the on the perimeter. He's gonna make it tough for you. You can probably still score on him, but it's gonna be very cumbersome if you are a shooter like Booker. And we saw that yesterday. There's a couple of highlights out of there defensively for the Bulls, but clearly the Suns outclassed the Bulls. Just the passing and again. People will say, well, the Bulls are shorthanded. Well, there's no Crowder, there's no Paul yesterday, and the Suns were able to get it done. Tracy McGrady this week said something about the 98 Bulls that had Jerry Reinsdorf respond last night in the Bulls pregame show. Are you aware of this story? What do you say? I got to bring this story to you next. This is Fast Break with Jay Hood and Chris Black. Follow us on Twitter at TweetJHood and at Chris Black. The Fast Break continues right now on ESPN 1000, 100.3 HD2, and the ESPN Chicago app. Chris Black, Jonathan Hood, talking basketball with you. 
NBA and the Chicago Bulls. If you want to join the conversation, you can call us at 312-332-3776. We'll be here until 3 o'clock. And then we have White Sox baseball right here on ESPN 1000. You're home for the White Sox. White Sox Guardians today? Yes, it is. 3 o'clock. All right. All right. You're home for White Sox baseball and spring training right here. You'll hear uh, Len Casper and Darren Jackson with the call of the game today at 3 o'clock right here on ESPN 1000. I'm very interested in what you're telling me here regarding Jerry Reinsdorf, who you don't hear very much from uh, very often, but there's something going on. Apparently, I, I saw something yesterday, and it caught my attention. Uh, the Bulls Talk podcast uh, Twitter feed mm-hmm. for NBC Sports Chicago promoted that Jerry Reinsdorf was going to, quote, set the record straight Uh-oh. on the Bulls pregame show last night on TV. And I saw that, and it was a picture of Jerry Reinsdorf and a picture of Tracy McGrady. Hmm. I thought my, to myself, like, what? What record needs to be set straight? So then I Googled Tracy McGrady. Uh, apparently, uh, this took place on Wednesday. Tracy McGrady was on the Knuckleheads podcast. Oh, Quentin Richardson and Darius Miles. Yeah, yeah, right. Former NBA players. Boom. They, they were a great connection with the Clippers back in the day. Uh, so on the Knuckleheads, here's McGrady. They were talking about, do you remember when Tracy McGrady was, uh, he just finished up with Toronto. He's going to be a free agent. Right. And Orlando was uh, courting him. His free agency that summer, the first time he landed as a free agent. Yes. They were they were discussing that at the, at the time, it was Orlando and Toronto were really the only real options. Yeah. Uh, for McGrady in that free agency. And this is what he said. You know, Miami wanted me back. And Chicago wanted me so bad. Did you bro. almost get traded though for, for 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 was it Scotty? That was draft night. On draft night, draft night, I almost got traded for Scotty. They um, the night before the draft, Jerry Krause called my agent, got me up twelve o'clock at night, had me go to a secret location to take a physical. It was about to go down, but MJ made the calls like, "Yo, if y'all do that, I'm retiring." So he <laughs> <laughs> stopped that real quick. And then when I was a free agent in 99, 2000, after that season, he came back again trying to get me Jerry yeah. Krause. I, when I tell you he rolled out the red carpet, mm. though, I mean, boy, I, as soon as I got off the plane, they had a band. They had the cheerleaders. <laughs> they had Benny the Boom. They had him there. <laughs> I walked through. I'm like, wow, they had the red carpet, bro. Yeah. Mm. So I go I go there. Um, I go to the Chicago Cubs game, man. Um uh, Elton Brand, we had the Chicago Cubs, man. I threw out the first pitch, and I'm sitting in the dugout, bro. And then I look up, and I got they got the plane, you know, oh, with, with, the- with, with, with my advertising on. I was like, damn, welcome to Chicago or whatever it said. Right, I, right. I don't remember. And then they sent me a tape, bro, Oprah. Mm. Oprah speaking to me personally, mm. personalized <laughs> message. Yeah, I'm like, bro, all y'all out. went all yeah, out. But <laughs> again, man, it was just, you know, Orlando, because I used to ride by the arena. All the time, and I told my mom, I was like, I'm gonna be playing for them one day. Okay, so as Tracy McGrady on Wednesday, did you did you catch a thing right in the middle about Scottie Pippen and '97? Scottie Pippen and the draft before the the 1998 season. This is what McGrady said. Draft night, I almost got traded for Scottie. They um, the night before the draft, Jerry Krause called my agent, got me up 12 o'clock at night, had me go to a secret location to take a physical. It was about to go down, but MJ made the calls like, yo, if y'all do that, I'm retiring. So (laughs) he stopped that real quick. So that was Tracy McGrady. Have you heard that before? I have never heard that before, but you can understand how Krause did business. Very quietly, clandestine. He didn't want people to know. 
you, I believe that story is true. Uh, a lot, well, 90% of that story I believe is true, for sure, because yeah. of the way Krauss operated. You remember the 99 draft, right? That's the, and for those, if you're driving, or no, I'm sorry, the 97 draft. Yeah, 97, because it would be that, before the 1998 season. Yeah, so that's the Tim Duncan draft. That's the Tim Duncan, Chauncey Billups, uh, Tim Thomas draft. McGrady was ninth to Toronto, but Tim Duncan was taken first, and that really jump-started San Antonio, right? So um, I believe a lot of that is true. The Michael saying he'd retire if, if you traded Scotty for Tracy McGrady. I don't know if that's true. Well, and but that was a theme in The Last Dance, the documentary that was uh, made by ESPN. That yeah. was a theme was that if Scotty was going to be traded to uh, Seattle, right? Yeah. That yes. he, he didn't want to be a part of it, right? Like that that was a theme within the documentary. Or am I misremembering? No, it no. was a theme in the documentary. If, if the two were split up, Michael would retire. Wasn't that a theme of the... Well, I just... What I know is is that there are clearly issues between Scottie Pippen and Jerry Krause. That's well documented in the documentary. Sure. That they did not like each other. This is why, you know, Krause actually made Pippen whole because he was able to give him a sign and trade to Houston after the championship years, right? After the after the championship because Pippen was just going to walk. He got a sign and trade and he went on to to, to greener pastures. Uh, I don't know if Jordan would have actually retired, and, and here's why. This is the same Scottie Pippen that says, you know, I'm not going to F my summer up and, yeah, right, right. and didn't want to play at the, initially for that last championship season. And he was hurt in 98. His back, right? Yeah. Well, yes. so So there were issues there. Like, even though he was a great player at the time, he was not fully the, the, the player that you would expect. So, so, okay, so that's what McGrady said on Wednesday. Right. So yesterday... The Bulls Talk podcast, uh, Bulls Twitter uh, for NBC Sports Chicago tweet out that Jerry Reinsdorf is going to set the record straight on the pregame show. Okay, So you tune in to the pregame show, NBC Sports Chicago, and here you go. It, it's Jerry Reinsdorf on camera with Chuck Swirsky on NBC Sports Chicago. This is what Reinsdorf had to say last night. I understand uh, that there's a lot of truth to this story, but the, the one part that's not true is that Michael Jordan in any way communicated with the Chicago Bulls his displeasure over the trade. We had won five championships at that point, and, uh, you know, and, and, and Krauss came to me and said, look, I, I'm not sure I can't guarantee you. I don't know how strong I feel about winning a sixth championship, uh, but I have, a chance to, I have a chance to trade Scottie Pippen to the Boston Celtics for two very high picks. I think they're picks number three and number six in the draft. Mm-hmm. And Krause, if we had done that deal, he was going to take Tracy McGrady and he was going to take uh, Ron Mercer. And uh, I thought long and hard about it. And my decision came down to this. What would our fans want us to do? Mm-hmm. And, I, and I concluded that our fans would want us to win a sixth championship, even if it meant that we weren't going to be that good afterwards. And that's why I vetoed the trade. I never heard from Michael Jordan uh, about it. If Krauss heard anything from Michael Jordan, he would have had to have told me about it. But after this uh, podcast, I, I contacted Michael Jordan and asked him if there was any truth. And uh, his reply to me was, was BS that uh, and, and that's the case. I don't even know if Michael was aware of it, but he certainly never communicated to us. Never threatened to retire. And we, the only reason that trade didn't go through was I felt that our fans wanted a sixth championship, and I wanted a sixth championship. So that was last night on the Bulls pregame show on NBC Sports Chicago. That was Jerry Reinsdorf last night 
setting the record straight to uh-huh. Tracy McGrady from Wednesday on a podcast earlier this week, suggesting that he on draft night would be traded for Scottie Pippen, but Michael said no. What do you think of all this? That Jerry nixed the trade. Now, you would think that I would have heard that over the last 20-plus years, right? <laughs> right? That Jerry stepped in and nixed the trade. He said he did, and that Jordan was not aware. I think Michael was so mad at Scotty because he didn't get this, the surgery in the summer to get ready for that sixth championship that if McGrady came along, uh, I mean, Jordan had no autonomy of the roster. Let me make sure that's clear, too. Because there are certain guys that Jordan wanted, and, and Krause kept saying no. But you didn't see Jordan retire, did you? No. And, I mean, he wanted Walter Davis, and, and yet, but he never got Walter Davis. He, so Krause was able to supply Michael with role players that he thought he could play with. So there's a number of guys that Michael wanted that he never got. So if, they, if Pippen was traded and they brought in Tracy McGrady, Michael wasn't going to retire. Now, as far as Reinsdorf saying that, well, you know, I'm the one that nixed the deal because he thought it was best for the fans. That's, I mean, the same, same guy that didn't get surgery in the summer. Right, uh, the same guy that was talking bad about the not mad about the organization, he was bad about Kraus, his guy. So I, I don't know. I think that that's strange. Jerry, listening to the knuckleheads, he subscribes. I don't <laughs> like, how, how, like. I don't under like. I guess I'm just confused because like this story didn't even make like major news no. here in Chicago this week. Like why? Why did he feel the need to respond to something that was just said on a pod? Like, I don't understand how this came to be. I thought it's very odd, too, for that to just be like, you know, Jason Goff just uh, throwing it to that. Yeah. And it's kind of like, hmm, I didn't think that was me. But I think that Jerry wanted to, I guess it was told to him, and he's like, oh, I have an antidote to that. Oh, I got a story. I, I, I need I, to I respond remember, here. I remember that. Let me, yeah. while you're here, Chuck, sit down. <laughs> let's talk about it, right? Marcus and Harvey, you're on ESPN 1000. What's up, Marcus? Hey, what's going on, guys? What's up, Marcus? Yeah. Hey, I just wanted to comment about the whole T-back situation. Yeah, I heard that years ago. And I heard the whole thing about um, how Jordan went ahead and threatened to retire if Scotty was traded for T-Mac. So I'm taking T-Mac's side. I've learned over the years never to trust ownership. Yeah. So, and then Jerry, he wants to, you know, save face. That's why he's going to put that out there for the fans. But, yeah, Mike ended up retiring anyway. I would have made the trade. My, you know what? If Tracy McGrady's with the Bulls, do they not win the championship anyway? Well, as a rookie, I would guess he's not as good as what Pip was able to contribute, even though Pippen was hurt. True. But, that, but isn't this the question, right, for this whole conversation? Bulls fans at 312-332-3776. Would you have rather had one championship, 1998, or 16 years of a Hall of Fame career from Tracy McGrady? Right, because that's what you just heard from Jerry Reinsdorf right there. He made the decision for the fans that they they wanted that last championship six. Hey, it, it wins a lot of conversations and debates, right? Yeah. Mike's six compared to others, right? They don't have six like he does. But if you're a Bulls fan, you would have had 16 years, theoretically, wow. of, of Tracy McGrady as a Hall of Fame player. Oh, okay. Not 16. It's the Bulls. Because it's still cross, you get you get, you get six, you get three, and then he jumps to free agency. Probably, probably like you did with, that's how you did with Toronto. He was eighteen when he was with Toronto. Yeah, eighteen, nineteen, and then when he was twenty years old, he went to Orlando. Right, he was twenty. So, like, ideally, because it's Kraus, you get him for a good three to five years, maybe before he goes. Okay, screw this, <laughs> right? But ultimately, you are jump starting the team because 
Okay, the first couple of years he didn't play that much, but he blossomed into something special. You know, the highest he had was 32 points a game with Orlando when he's 23 years of age. So he's going to be something special. But I would have liked to see the Bulls get off to a faster start than Jalen Rose or E-Rob. E-Rob, Jalen Rose, and the uh, Twin Towers there with uh, Tyson Chandler and Eddie Curry. Right. Yeah. As Tyson, as they lost their 50-something game, and I'm in the <laughs> locker room, and, and Sam Smith says, what are you going to do about this, Tyson? What are you going to do? We're going to win by any means necessary. <laughs> and then Sam slowly turned off the, the little recorder. And slowly walked out and made a left turn. <laughs> Goodbye. This, this is enough of that. <laughs> this is ESPN Chicago's Fast Break. Everything Bulls and NBA in a convenient two-hour package. Or if you miss your shot for live, the Fast Break podcast is available on the ESPN Chicago app. Now back to Fast Break. Here's Jay Hood and Chris Black on ESPN 1000. I'm looking at McGrady's stats. Yeah. And I I understand, right? Like a sixth championship for the Chicago Bulls. Like I get what Jerry Reinsdorf was saying, that, that he wanted to give the fans that sixth championship. McGrady was great, though. He's a Hall of Fame player. No question he is. And, and, and what we were talking about is, is that, that group of players that the Bulls had post-Jordan era. Mm-hmm. It was a group of nonsense, right? Like some of the the stars or the free agent signings or the lead players that the Bulls had in the the early two thousands. Those are some of the worst teams in the NBA. It was a it was a dark period for Bulls basketball. I don't understand why you have a problem with Ron Harper still being around, and, uh-huh. and that was that was Coo Coach's era. Now that's yeah, that's Coo yeah. Coach. Yeah, that's Brett Barry. Oh, that's Brett Cor- Barry. Uh, that's Corey Benjamin. As Dicky Simpkins. Yeah, right. Shout out to Dicky. Doing broadcast work for Fox, you know that's Rusty Larue. I oh, mean, yeah. you know, I mean, it. Kraus wanted to turn this team over so badly to prove that he can rebuild a championship, which is nonsense. Right, You're the greatest player ever. If you aren't looking at it and saying, "Hey, Jordan and all these guys are leaving," let's get some young talent here that can be able to develop. He wanted to put everything around Tony post Jordan, and it's like that's. I mean, imagine that now. Now the Bulls are the Mavericks because you're putting everything around Tony. Tony was, would be well-established, double-digit guy, go-to guy in the clutch. A lot of clutch shots for Tony, as you recall. It would have made sense if he didn't spend the draft picks on the two uh, centers that didn't pan out, right? Like if you, if you had players in there who could actually play around Tony Kukoc instead of going for the you know Eddie Curry and the Tyson Chandler, like that actually would would get you somewhere in today. Like if we took that team and we we turned it forward to like today's era. Yeah. Um, but like that that was the thing is that he was trying to build around two centers who couldn't play, and, and that's what like like think about. It. I know we're doing super revisionist history, but no, if you no, go back no, to but, the no, two thousand one draft, no, Reinsdorf's the one who brought it up. So <laughs> yeah, right. Like yeah, he he had to, he had to set the record straight. You know, you know, Tyson Chandler goes second in that draft. Paul Gasol goes third. If you have Paul Gasol paired with Tony Kukoc, right? Like now you're talking about that's a that's a combination. Oh sure. And then Eddie Curry was the fourth pick. Well, you you could pick any number of guys that followed after, like a Shane Battier was was someone who was much better than Eddie Curry as a pro. Mm-hmm. Joe Johnson went tenth in that draft. Uh, Richard Jefferson went thirteenth in that draft. 
there's a lot of very good players from that year. Zach Randolph went 19th, even though I, I think the timing of his career wouldn't have made a lot of sense with the Bulls, right? Because he struggled early on in his career, didn't find his footing until later. Uh, but there were a lot of good players in that 2001 draft that kind of, uh, you know, the ground was already shaky with the, the quote rebuild after the Jordan era. Right. But that's what did it in the the two top five picks who completely flopped. And, and Tyson Chandler eventually turned into a great pro. Yeah. He won a championship with the Mavs. Sure. One of the better defensive players when he was currently playing. But what, what the Bulls drafted him to be, it never panned out. Just imagine turn of the century and you're trying to turn the clock back. 25 years to build around bigs when a shooting guard got you to a championship. Just think about that, Chris. Yeah. Just for a second. Like, you got away from the bigs. To prove a point. Yeah, you got away from the bigs. When when they laughed at Rod Thorne, it's like, he's in Krause, said, we're going to build around a two guard. They were like, <laughs> you're not building around a two guard. That guy's too little. They called Jordan too little. Remember, remember yeah. the documentary, oh, Mark yeah. Eaton? Yeah. Mark Eaton's like, that. Yeah, you can't win with that little guy. Can't do it. He's 6'6". Six, six. He's a little guy, right? But then you turn the clock back and just like, you know what, we're going to build around bigs. Because that's where it was, right? In 2000, 99, 2000, you just had to have two twin towers. What is it, 81? That's why, it's incredible. That's why Krause halfway sucked at his position. Think about the first four picks of that draft. Kwame Brown, Tyson Chandler, Paul Gasol, Eddie Curry. That was the first four picks in the 2001 draft. It's crazy. When you built around a two guard to win six championships. <laughs> right. All right. All right. Uh, it's Jonathan Hood, Chris Black. It's the fast break. We're talking Bulls and NBA. We address the Bulls. They lose the Suns last night. We talk about it next. ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports.